that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? There is a, I think, a book, a television program, a whole series on the left behind, those that are left behind. And at the end of this message, I'm going to answer the question, just who are those that are left behind and what happens to them? And I'm going to lay out in this, this program basically the whole plan of God that God has for saving mankind. And I think you're going to find it interesting. Now, there is a teaching called the rapture of the saints. And the problem with that is the word rapture is not in the Bible. But I clearly understand the, the human nature of wanting to escape all the bad things that are going to happen, especially in the tribulation. Now, when you look at what the Bible says about the day of the Lord and the events leading up to the day of the Lord, I can clearly understand why people would say, I don't want to be around when all this, when all hell breaks loose. I clearly understand that. And there are different versions of the rapture, pre-tribulation, pre-wrath, post-tribulation. These are all concepts of the rapture. But the problem with the rapture is this. What if the rapture doesn't occur when you think it should? In other words, you're thinking, well, by now, things are so bad, it should have, have happened by now. I should have been whisked away. I should have been lifted up from this earth and carried away to heaven or whatever. And it hasn't occurred there. Now, the danger is this. Don't build your faith on a doctrine or a belief system that could destroy your faith. So if you're thinking the rapture should have happened by now and it hasn't, that could destroy your faith. In other words, you're, you're thinking, well, man, this is so terrible. Everything is going to hell around me, and I should have been whisked away, and it's not happened yet, you see. Now, what most people call the rapture, I call the resurrection. Let's take a look at it. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So really, it's just an understanding of when the resurrection occur. If we can identify when the resurrection occur, we can basically understand when all of our troubles will be no more, uh, when Christ returns to this earth. So Revelation 11 and verse 3 says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. Now that's a period of three and a half years. And during that three and a half years, things are not going to be good down here on planet earth. Uh, are these two witnesses chosen by God? Yes, they are. Are they protected during their ministry? Yes, they are. But their ministry is right here on earth, which tells us something very important. God can protect you God doesn't have to snatch you away to protect you. He doesn't have to rapture, rapture you away to protect you. These witnesses, two witnesses, are protected for three and a half years. Now let's notice Revelation 11 and verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. Well, that's pretty cool. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Are they raptured away? Absolutely not. When God needs a witness, they are in, there in the heat of things. It's never made sense to me that when the world is going to hell and God needs Christians the most, 
to be a witness, they're all raptured away. They're all gone. You know, no witness for the world. You know, and that's, that's never made any sense to me. Now, let's notice what happens to them at the end of their ministry on this earth. Get this. They are not raptured away. Revelation 11 and verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. This doesn't sound good for the home team, does it? It doesn't sound good for Christians either because they are here on earth and they uh, are not raptured away. Now, 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 you have to understand, Christians being martyred for their belief has been something that has occurred from Genesis to Revelation down through history. And, but, okay, so we got we to gotta wrap our minds around this. But let's notice what happens next. Revelation 11 and verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God enters into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Yeah, they come back alive. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying, And to them come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. What is this? What are we talking about here? We're talking about a resurrection from the dead. Well, what is a resurrection from the, from the dead? It's when dead people come back to life. Now, if you'll just keep reading on down just a few more verses, it's Revelation 11 and verse 15. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become, become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Everyone knows what this seventh trump trumpet blast is all about. It's about the feast of trumpets. It's about when Christ returns and resurrects the dead. Notice the language again. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is the moment that I'm looking forward to, the transference of power from man's government to God's kingdom on this earth. So what happens when this takes place? Well, it's, it's the resurrection. It is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Revelation 11 and verse 12. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. This corollates with 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. That's that seventh trump that we talked about. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So this is one and the same thing that is taking place when the two witnesses come back alive again, Christ returns and the resurrection from the dead takes place and the saints that are alive on this earth are immediately changed from flesh to spirit. Now let's notice Revelation 15 verse 1. It says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now, after Christ returns and resurrects the dead, life goes on for sinning mankind down here on the earth. So you can call what I just explained, you can call it the rapture. I call it a resurrection is what I call it. But, okay, but what you need to understand is life goes on down here for mankind, sinning mankind, and the seven vials referred to as the wrath of God are poured out on mankind. 
Now, the Bible clearly teaches in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, it says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but obtain, to, to obtain salvation by, the Lord, by our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we have not been appointed to, to experience the wrath of God. And that's why I believe that the resurrection by this time has taken place, and we are uh, with Christ at this time as the seven vials called the wrath of God are poured out on mankind. Now, what will the wrath of God be like? Well, there's seven vials, and it's not, it's not a pretty sight. I have a little chart here. Now, you can order this chart, and I'll send it to you free of charge. That, that will help you understand the book of Revelation. I mean, it's an incredible help. It will also tell you when the, where the insert chapters are at. You need to know where the insert chapters are at in the book of Revelation in order that it reads like a story flow. Without knowing where these insert chapters are at, you will never understand the book of Revelation. So I can send this little chart to you free of charge, but it's a, it's a power, powerful explanation of the book of Revelation. Now, Revelation 16 and verse 1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way and pour out the vows of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, if you read about these, the wrath of God, you wonder, how could anyone survive this? You know, my father fought in Germany in World War II. And if you can imagine a scene when the Americans came in and there and liberated the death camps in, in Germany, what those, what those men and women looked like. I mean, they were in the last stage of starvation, sunken-eyed refugees. Basically, that's probably what the earth is going to look like when Christ returns with his saints after the seven vials are poured out. Now, Ezekiel 5 and verse 12 will say, A third part of these shall die with the pestilence, and with famine shall they be consumed in the midst of thee, and a third part shall fall by the sword round about thee, and I will scatter a third part into all the winds. I will draw out a sword after them. So as sickening as it may be, imagine a world of only about a tithe of people left, 10%, you know, when Christ returns with his saints to this earth to set things right. You know, there are 8 billion people on the earth right now, so a tithe, 10% would be 800 million people at the end of the seven vials being poured out called the wrath of God. Now, what happens next? Well, what happens next is very exciting. Uh, Jude 1 and verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Now, this is the moment I'm looking forward to when we get the green light to come back down to this earth and make things right. Now, what has been going on between the resurrection of the saints, where we meet the Lord in the air, and the seven vials being poured out on mankind. What's been going on in between that time? Well, we can speculate. We could talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb must take place. But anyway, after that, this is what happens. Behold, Jude 1 verse 14, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to open up a can of you-know-what on the earth and to make things right. At this point, the government of God is established on this earth for a thousand years. 
Now, during this time, Satan is bound during this time frame of 1,000 years. Revelation 5 and verse 10, it says, And it has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Yeah, we're going to reign on the earth for 1,000 years. You see, heaven doesn't need fixing. The coming utopia is, is coming to this earth. Christ is returning to establish his government, his thousand-year reign on this earth. And that's a publication you can order, by the way, The Coming Utopia, where you can learn more about what this event is going to be like. So I mentioned, okay, when we return, with, you know, Christ returns with 10,000 of his saints, there may only be about 800 million people on this earth at that time. Now, consider this. The time of the flood, there were about eight people on the ark. And over the past 4,600 years, we have populated the earth to 8 billion people. Now, imagine starting out with 800 million uh, when Christ returns with his saints. And during that thousand-year period, no sickness, no disease for a thousand years. At the end of the millennium, there could be 10 to 20 billion people on this earth. Now, after the thousand years of Jesus Christ and the reign of Christ on this earth, you're going to have the rest of the dead resurrected. All right, let's take a look at that. Revelation 20 and verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So this talks about the rest of the dead. Now, now who are the rest of the dead? Well, you know, there's been about 63,459,781 abortions that have taken place. Now, if, if, if we believe that life begins at conception, okay, if that is what you believe, then God is not going to let this slide, okay? God's not going to shrug his sh shoulders and just say, well, I know life begins at conception, but there's not a thing I can do about it. no. Now, when we talk about the rest of the dead, we're talking about all the ones that have been aborted, potential children of God who have been aborted, are part of the rest of the dead, okay? Now, what about mortal children, you know? What about children that, okay, let's say never got saved? What about the missionary that had a flat tire on his way to Africa and he didn't get there in time and the girl died of AIDS? And, you know, she, she just died. I mean, what about mortal children? What about all those who, who basically, you know, never had a chance to confess or know about God or know Jesus Christ? Do you know the Bible answers that question? Isaiah 65 and verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Now, what this reveals is that there is a time period after the millennium when the rest of the dead are raised. It's a 100-year period of time to repent and accept Christ. So I, I fit into this category, all those that have been aborted. Uh, I fit into this category, uh, all those mortal children who never, you know, really had a chance for salvation. But this is interesting because it doesn't just talk about 
children or, or infants. It does say there shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that has not fulfilled his day. You know, a lot of old people that basically never had a chance, never had a chance for salvation, will be given their first chance for salvation during this time period. There's all kinds of people. You've got to understand that there's all kinds of people that have lived and died who never knew Christ or anything about Christ. You know, only about a third of the world population even claim to be Christian today. So you, you've got a lot of other, you've got Hinduism, Buddhism, Muslims. You've got, you've got all kinds of people that don't really know Jesus Christ and they die. Well, they die every day, actually. So then we come to Revelation 20 and verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Next verse. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now this is troubling. It's always been troubling to me that after you have all these events occur, there is a great rebellion. I mean, you think, okay, during the millennium, how could people who have lived in, during the millennium under the government of God, under the kingdom of God, how could they rebel at the end? The answer, though, is, is somewhat simplistic. Number one, they've never been tested, okay? They've never been tested. I mean, for a thousand years, Satan is bound. And when he is loose, there is a great rebellion. But, you know, we, we sort of come to the point where we're answering the question, well, why the devil? Why does God allow us to be tested today? Well, it's one of the ways you build godly character. You know, if there is no, you know, if you're not free to choose what is wrong, you know, if you're not, you, you, you've got to be free to choose both sides or either side, good or evil. If you don't have that freedom, you're not free. If you're truly free, you're free to choose what is right or you're free to choose what is wrong if you're, if you're truly free. And God wants people who are free to choose between the two choices and make the right choice. So what I'm saying is during this millennial reign of 1,000 years, these people have never been tested. And that's why I think there is a great rebellion at the end and why Satan is able to deceive a lot of people. And another reason is people can become familiar with anything. You know, e even the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, where you're going to have his children who are now, instead of flesh and blood, they are spirit beings. And they can just pop up at any moment and say, look, this is the way, walk you in it. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk you in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. So in this kingdom for a thousand years, people are going to become familiar with the family of God. They're going to become familiar with all of a sudden, just out of the blue, a spirit being shows up, a child of God, and says, oops, you're getting ready to make a mistake here. This is the way, this is the right way, walk you in it. Okay. So there's, there's a number of reasons why there can be this great rebellion at the end as we read about how Satan is able to deceive so many people. So let's, let's come to the question, who is lost? Who will be left behind? 
Okay, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come to repentance. Now, we've talked about how God is going to do this. We talked about there is the thousand-year reign of Christ. We talked about the second resurrection. We talked about all those aborted potential children of God who are going to be given a chance for salvation. Okay, we talked about a lot of things here. And this verse says God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God has a plan in place where he will fulfill his desire. All right, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works thereof shall be burned up. Now this is what I call the real Gehenna fire when the earth melts with fervent heat. Okay, now after this, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth created. So God's not just going to, but God's, God's not just going to destroy the earth and that's it. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth created. But this is what I call the original Gehenna fire when the earth melts with fervent heat. This is after the thousand year reign of Christ. This is after the rest of the dead are raised and given a hundred years. And this is after the great rebellion of Satan. And anything that is left on this earth that is flesh will be destroyed when the earth melts with fervent heat. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we're talking about those that are left behind. But I want you to understand that, that God doesn't want to leave anybody behind. It's only those that have totally rejected their chance for salvation that will be left behind. And they will be destroyed when the earth melts with fervent heat. Recently on one of my videos, I, a, a woman was encouraged because I talked about hell was not a place of eternal torment, that you would be simply destroyed. And I explained some of this stuff that I'm explaining to you right now when the earth melts with fervent heat. And uh, she was she said she could live at peace now, knowing, you know, that, that people are not going to be tormented for all eternity. But they will simply be destroyed when the earth melts with fervent heat. And she said something to the effect, she said, my mother was not a Christian. Will she experience pain in the second death? And I, I tried to encourage her. I said, well, don't write your mother off so quickly. Maybe she never even had a chance for salvation. But the second death is when the earth will melt with fervent heat. It would be like jumping into a live volcano. Will there be any pain? Well, it, it, for a split second, you might feel something, but it's, uh, you know, as far as what that will be like when the earth melts with fervent heat, you know, it'll be like, you know, the Gollum when he was fell into that live volcano he had his ring, you know, that he lusted after so much and he's got a big grin on his face, but he's about to be destroyed in this live volcano or whatever. Yeah, okay, you might experience something for a few seconds, but that's it. And, and that will be the end of you. Now, Isaiah 9 and verse 7 says this, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of, of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. His power 
continues to grow. This kingdom continues to grow. It's not over with once the earth melts with fervent heat and a new heaven and a new earth is, is, is created. David said, you know, when I consider the heavens which God has made, you know, I think about our universe. How hard would it be for God to take one of those planets out there and position it just the right distance from the sun, tilt it on its axis, and make it compatible for, for another set of human beings? Well, it wouldn't be hard for God to do this at all. And when you look at our universe, we are just one of millions of galaxies out there. In other words, what I'm saying is, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. God has no retirement plan, okay? His royal power will continue to grow, and his kingdom will continue to grow forever. It will spread out through the entire universe. All the galaxies that are out there, it will continue to grow forever. Now, just a question in closing. <clears throat> that I want to make you think. Okay, I explained a lot here what God is doing and the plan of salvation that God has. But how do you know this is the first time that God's ever done this? Created a, an earth project. How do you know this is the first time he's ever done it? You know, we like to think it's the first time. We think it's the first time, but, but how do you know? What, what has God been up to for the last billion years? How do you know it's the first time he's ever done this? You know. It wouldn't surprise me what God has been up to. Are there other worlds out there? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that God is not lazy and that God occupies his time. So we don't really know. But I just wanted to leave you with that thought. And uh, anyway, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really In Your Bible? And I'll see you next time. The Bible reveals that we were born for a tremendous, awe-inspiring purpose. But few really understand what that purpose is. What God is doing through mankind is revealed at the very beginning of your Bible. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. To fully understand God's glorious purpose for mankind, order your free copy of Man, God's Destiny Child. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.